Genesis chapter 15, which is the Lord's covenant with Abram. Um, so just a quick recap. Last week we read chapters uh, 13 and 14, which covered uh, Abraham and Lot. And it was, we read how uh, in Genesis 13, he was really close. We saw the relationship that Abram had with his nephew Lot and how they chose to separate because they both had a greater, they had great wealth. And so uh, a lot of uh, a lot of servants, a lot of animals and flocks and everything. And so they decided to separate. Lot went towards, uh, he pitched his tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abram pitched his tent towards Canaan, which is the promised land anyway. And then in Genesis 14, we see how um, Abram... So there was a there was a, there was a war going on between uh, like four kings and then five kings, and in the midst of this war, um, kings the king of Sodom and Gomorrah the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah their stuff was their people were taken and that and Lot got taken with those men with those people from Sodom and Gomorrah because he was nearby and so Abram had to go rally some of his men um, he had about three hundred I think it says three hundred eighteen men or something like that. Um, yeah, 318 trained men born in Abram's household went and fought and got Lot and Lot's stuff back, all, Lot and all his possessions back. And it ends with, um, in chapter 14, it ends with introducing the, introducing Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and how he was, uh, he was a high priest. He it says he was priest of God most high. So we have this, this person, Melchizedek, who is referenced in the New Testament, in Hebrews 7, which we read, we read Hebrews 7, 1 through 3, and then 15 through 22. And that just talks about how Melchizedek um, is a high priest for God. And then how Jesus comes in the same order of, because Jesus is not, he come, Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. So he wasn't a Levite, but he was a priest in the order of Melchizedek, which is far, which became way before the Levites, because it's before the this is before Moses. Um, and because of that, Jesus, is, Jesus, it, his priesthood far outweighs earthly priest is basically kind of what that, what that says. So, um, definitely read Hebrews seven and eight for yourself to get a better understanding of how Melchizedek from Genesis 14 correlates to Jesus, our high priest as Christians. Um, so, but yeah, it was a really good read. I thought it was a good episode. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed reading Genesis 13 and 14, but now we're going to read Genesis 15. So before we start, we're going to say a quick prayer and then we're going to jump right in. So to Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Lord, for this time. I thank you, Lord God, for your word. I pray, Lord, that you will guide and direct this Bible study today. I pray that it will reach the people that it was meant to sit, to reach. I pray all these things in your son, Jesus name. Amen. Uh, so yeah, so this one's going to be, you know, it's going to be, probably shorter it's not gonna be a super long episode um because we're gonna start off with four we're gonna start off with genesis 15 and then we're gonna read a couple new testament passages and then we'll be done so so i'm gonna read genesis 15 so it says uh the after this is like i said the lord's covenant with abram so this is right after um abraham or abram meets melchizedek with the king of salem and uh he gives him a tenth of everything and he tells Sodom, he tells the king of Sodom 
that he won't accept anything that the king of Sodom has to offer because he doesn't want the king of Sodom to be able to say that he made Abram rich because he wanted to make sure that God got all the glory and the honor. So we're picking up right after this. So it says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. It says, he also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, arranged, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. The birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. For the Lord said to him, Know for certain, because remember, Abram was like, How can I know? How can I, how can I know that I will gain possession of this land? So God says, know for certain that for 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. And afterward, they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. It says, when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land from the wadi of Egypt to the great river of the Euphrates the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadamites, the Hittites, Perizzites, Rephites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. So that was the reading of Genesis chapter 15. So now we're going to go back and read some of the commentary and kind of break this down a little bit. So going back to verse um, 6, I'll read it again. It says, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. So my commentary says, Abram's great faith took the words of God as proof enough. The word translated believed or verified appears twice. Both times it involves the presence of proof for the statement made. God placed Abram's faith on the scale of justice, caused, causing it to tip towards righteousness. So we see how because Abram's great faith in God, God credited it to Abram as righteousness. And so we'll read, you'll see that, that theme in, um, the new test or the, yeah, the new Testament specifically in like Hebrews, which we're actually going to read a little bit later on. 
so yeah, we just see how Abram's great faith in God, believing that God is God, God is powerful enough and God is who he says he is and that God will do what he said he's going to do. You said you're going to make my descendants as numerous as the stars. Then I believe you. Even though I don't currently have a son and my wife is past ch childbearing age, I believe you. That's that faith we're going to need. We're going to need to get through this walk of, you know, this walk, uh, this, this, this Christian walk. So the next one I want to point out is in verse seven. It says, he also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. So it says confirmation of the covenant. God makes the Abrahamic covenant with Abram and the confirmation of this covenant has five parts. The first it says God reminded Abram of his faithfulness in the past. God gave him a sign to confirm his presence. God specified the provision of the covenant. God ratified the covenant by a divine appearance. God concluded the covenant with an unconditional promise, which is in verse 18. So the next one I want to read, it says in verse 9, it says, So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. So the commentary adds, it says, The sign of the covenant. The animals have a double significance. They acted as sacrifices, which accompanied covenant making in the Old Testament. In addition, the party who passed through the animals bound himself to fulfill the covenant, lest a similar fate come upon him if the covenant were to be violated. And so we'll kind of read that similar commentary a little bit later when we actually pass through it. Actually, we're about to read it now. Well, in just a second. And then real quick, in verse uh, 15 and 16, it says, You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here to the, to the promised land, to the land of Canaan, because that's where Abraham already was. He was already in the land of Canaan. It just wasn't his. It says, because um, he was a foreigner in Canaan. It says, In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. And it says the sin of the Amorites, Israel would only inherit the land after the Canaanite inhabitants have had passed the point of divine tolerance. In his omniscient foreknowledge, God knew the timing of that ultimate judgment, which would give the Israelites their land. So when it says they have passed the point of divine tolerance, that means that God was still giving them time. He was being patient with the Amorites and the Canaanites. He was still, he was showing them mercy. Because God could have just wiped them out right then and there. But they had not yet. He said the sin of the Amorites had not yet reached its full measure. So God was still being patient. You know, we see God's patience and his mercy in the New Testament and the Old Testament. I, you know, as we've been reading through Genesis, I'm sure you guys can sort of see my love for the Old Testament. And um, because I just, I just love the Old Testament. Just why not? There's a lot of great stories and, you know, records in the Old Testament. But you know, we see this, it's, I love reading the Old Testament because when you, when you read about Jesus and his love and compassion, and it, sometimes you, when you read about how Jesus acted towards people, it seems like, it seems like, but is this the same God who, you know, sent the 12, you know, the 10 plagues on the Pharaoh and the Egyptians? It is. And like, we can see God's patience with us. We can see God's mercy. Even on people who do not know him. He's so gracious and merciful and patient with his creation. I just I just love the Old Testament. And it's like, because it said like they their sin had not yet reached his full measure. Like God was still giving them time. Even though he could have, he, they had sinned. So he could have just wiped them out right then and there. But he has, he was still giving them time. Because 
they still could have came back. Obviously, God knew that they wouldn't, but they still could have repented and turned to him. So we're now we're going to read verse 17. It says, when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. So the smoking fire pot uh, with a blazing t torch. It says smoke and fire. Elsewhere, elsewhere in the Pentateuch, I think that's like the first five books of the Bible, smoke and fire accompany manifestations of the divine presence. It says God passed between the halves cut of the animals. This was a strong... Oh, I didn't read that with enough emphasis. It says God passed between the cut halves of the animals. This was a strong method of covenant ratification. Abram was not required to perform this ritual. Remember, Abraham was asleep. So God did all this. God, God's the one who passed and made God made this covenant with Abraham. Abraham didn't make a covenant with God. God made a covenant with Abraham. It says God chose to bind himself to a unilateral obligation. So God chose, God in his gracious mercy and love chose to bind himself to a covenant with us. And then in verse 18, it says, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to your descendants, I will give this land from the Wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. And then it just talks about the land of all these different tribes, all these different people groups. And it says the terms of the covenant promise are that God will give Abraham's descendant, Abram's descendants the land belonging to the ten nations listed. The covenants of uh, Genesis, the covenants of, uh, so yeah. It says the Wadi of Egypt is the Wadi El Arish, which divides Canaan and Egypt. The area across Jordan was also promised. Israel reached the borders during the reign of David. So we just see that was further fulfilled during the reign of David. But yeah, so it just says, it's just, it's just one of those, it's one of those chapters that, it's, it's a lot going on and if you're not like reading it with the knowledge that when God was setting this in motion, God put Abram in a deep sleep. God appeared. He God himself passed through the, the halves of the animals. God bound himself to a covenant with Abraham. God made a covenant with man. Fascinating, right? Like just like, wow, how much God loves us, how much God cares and how it just shows you how even even in the Old Testament, before the Holy Spirit came, how close God and man, how like, you know, after back in the garden, you know, we read how Abram, not Abram, Adam walked with God. They walked with God in the garden before the fall of man. They were close. You know what I'm saying? They were close. They walked with God. You were in his presence. God would, God was in our presence. You know, we were in his presence rather. And when the fall came, there was that separation. We couldn't be in his presence because God cannot be in the presence of sin. He can't dwell in sin and in righteousness and things that are unholy. And so to see how God once again made a covenant with man and he was, God allowed man to be in his presence, even if just for a little bit, just wow. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Just wow. So I want to parallel this with a couple verses out of um hebrews so if you have your bibles or your phones whatever turn to hebrews chapter 11 so in hebrews chapter 11 this is talking about like faith and action we're not going to read all of it because 
we don't have time. I mean, we have time, but I just don't want to, I don't, I don't necessarily want to read all of it. I want to get to like the nitty gritty parts that I want to read, but definitely read all of Hebrews for yourself. I love Hebrews. It is a great book. Um, and it reading the old Testament, reading like Genesis and Exodus, um, and then reading Hebrews around, you know, like right, either right after each other or kind of tracking with each other is great uh, when it comes to further understanding the connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So I'm going to start in verse 8. It says in chapter 11 in Hebrews, it says, By faith Abraham, which at the time in what we read in Genesis chapter 15, he's still called Abram. It says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. Remember when uh, when Lot and Abram separated, Lot went over there by Sodom and Gomorrah while Abram went over there to Canaan. And he pushed his tent towards Canaan. It says, he lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And we um, are going to get into Abraham and, or Abram, Sarai, Sarah, Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar in the next couple of weeks. Um, actually, next week is the baby mama drama between, Ab you know, between, with Hagar. So that'll be a nice little, That'll be a different episode. It's going to start getting real juicy. <laughs> These episodes are about to start getting real juicy. We saw a little taste of the drama, you know, in Genesis 12 with Abram and Sarai and when they went to Egypt and how he basically threw Sarah to the wolves and was like, just tell me my sister so they won't kill me and all the craziness that ensued and how God was still faithful in that. We're going to see some more. We're going to see some more of that juicy stuff. It's going to get real messy. Another reason why I love the Old Testament. It's like reality TV, but true in the Bible. So I want to also read Genesis, I'm sorry, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. So, but real quick to kind of recap what we just read. So we read how by faith, Abraham did. Abraham believed. Abraham, Abraham and then Isaac and Jacob as well. It's by faith that Abraham left and went to Canaan, the promised land, even though he had not yet received it. He believed that his descendants would receive it. And they, in fact, did. And so it's just I just love I just love the parallels. So real quick, we're going to go to Genesis. I'm sorry. Ugh, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. And we're going to and this is all going to kind of tie it up. So it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses and. Real quick, Hebrews 11 it talks about it talks about everybody from um it talks about the men and women so hebrews 11 is called like the the faith hall of the hall the faith hall of fame or something like that so it talks about everybody from Cain and Abel to Enoch to Noah Abraham Joseph Moses um this couple of judges and prophets and lots in and, and women you know men, men and women of faith in the bible um, so that's who this great cloud of witnesses is. It's these men and women of faith up until the point of Jesus. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and 
and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorned, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So I just like to see the, I love this, the parallels between the Old Testament and the New Testament and how things come full circle in Jesus. So that is really all I have. Um, yeah, next week we're going to read Genesis 16, which like I said, talks about Hagar and how her role in, in Abraham and Sarah's life and how that gets kind of messy. But for now, we're going to end on a high note. We're going to end on Jesus. Hallelujah. Um, so if you can bow with me. So thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to read your word and talk about your word and just dive into your word. God, I praise you, Lord, for your word that it was written down and we're able to read it now in 2022. I pray, God, that this message will reach the people that it was meant to reach and that it will bless and touch their hearts. I pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So until next time, bye. Thank <laughs> you.